What I want to look at this morning is the effect of God's grace. When you think about God's grace. What grace means is the Greek word charis. And it's what, of course, what God has given us. It is His favor. Uh, it, the word is used in the verb form throughout the New Testament uh, a number of places for God's forgiveness of what He has given to us, the sins that He has removed from us, the great blessings that are a part of being a Christian. So when we think about God's gift, we definitely think about His grace. What He's given to us that there's no way that we could pay for it or earn it or do anything for it. I ask you this question. You probably think about something in your life right now that answers this. Has, ever, has someone ever done you a favor that changed your life? You think about that? You think about somebody who ever gave you that first, chance to first job or a new job? You think about that that just made all the difference. Changed you. Someone that gave you an opportunity to get your education. I think about that. I, I remember when I was 16 looking at my life and I was already out of high school and I got my GED and I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was blessed for my minister to say, the elders want to, at the congregation I was at in Montgomery, send you to Freed Hardeman to be a minister. And I remember my response to that. I remember saying to Trey, I said, I never told you you wanted to be a minister. <laughs> but uh, he didn't listen to me. And uh, that was the right thing. It was a blessing. Uh, and he knew right then that it would have, it, it's what I sh should do. Uh, but you think about those things, those favors. So he did that, and I was blessed to go, and it made all the difference in, in a point in my life where I thought, I don't know where I'm going. I just, you know, sometimes in your life you just start floating and saying, Lord, help me, and you pray about it, and then you have to, you know, you, you look to the blessings of God and His grace. And you, everything, everybody in here could think of an event some time in your life where that's happened at least once. Uh, maybe multiple times that God has blessed you in those ways in which you've had those opportunities that you know you didn't earn them. You didn't deserve it. But someone gave it to you. And it made all the difference. And we need to thank God for that. This morning we look at what God's grace does. So God's grace of forgiveness, His salvation, the eternal life, the giving of His Son, all those gifts we read about and studied about last week as we went through a number of Scriptures on, on those here we are going to look at that. What God's grace does is this. It is a constant reminder every day. It's a constant reminder that instructs us and trains us and disciplines us. And what you're going to see here in Titus chapter 2 and beginning in verse 11 is that is the truth, that the grace of God trains us. And the Greek word there is, is, is a form of paideia. And it means the instruction and discipline as a teacher to a to a disciple, or as a parent to a child. That's the idea here. And so I want you to think about this morning the favor of God and how it constantly reminds you and corrects you and changes your life. Like that favor we talked about before, uh, something that's happened in your life, the greatest favor you get is from your Creator and from our Heavenly Father. So let's open our Bibles. We'll go to Second Timothy, uh, sorry, Titus chapter 2. And we're going to read right here, verse 11 through 15. Uh, before I do that, I do want to start with a prayer. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for this time and the study of Your Word. We ask Your blessings of wisdom as we rightly handle the Scriptures. Father, bless this text that we are reading to take effect upon our heart. Father, help us to be encouraged by the words that Paul has given here to Titus. Father, help us to think about Your grace and Your wonderful gifts every day and allow them to change our life. 
And Father, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so Titus chapter 2. Look with me here in verses 11 through 15. Notice what it's taught here. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about some other things as we go along, but verse 11. It says, For the grace of God has appeared. It has been revealed. It has been manifested. Bringing salvation. Or the appearance here is of salvation itself, literally in the Greek text. He says, for, for all people. So God's grace has brought salvation to all people of all nations, and it's before them, and they can know it, and they can know their Creator, and they can accept this grace. Now keep looking here in verse 12. What does it do? Training us, disciplining us, teaching us, instructing us to renounce ungodliness, to deny ungodliness and worldly passions. Once you've been saved from it, It's constantly teaching you, you've been saved from it, don't go back to it. It's training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Listen to this. Why? He says, waiting for our blessed hope. What's the blessed hope that all Christians hope for? What are we wanting? And that is eternal life. He's waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now the description there, God and Savior of Jesus Christ are talking about Jesus. So he is verbatim there calling Jesus God and Savior. Verse 14, who gave himself, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, and let no one disregard you. There's a lot to take from that little section of Scripture right there. It's packed, and Paul has a way of doing that, of bringing all these things together. Here's some observations here, and this is going along with the bulletin. So if you have the bulletin, you can do a little fill-in-the-blank here and follow along from these observations. All right, number one, God's grace has appeared as salvation again to all people, all nations, all ethnicities. That's what we've read. We've seen this, that God's grace instructs people to deny. Now, ours says ungodliness. The, the literal meaning in the Greek is a lack of devotion. I, I can't put it any other way. I, I'm trying to be thinking about another way to stating it. But it's a lack of devotion. It's a lack of being committed to God. And it also for us to renounce and deny worldly desires. Thirdly, what we've seen here and what we read is that God's grace instructs people to live soberly, to live righteously, and to be devoted. And throughout the Scriptures, we see that those who have been saved by God's grace and trust in Him, they have that devotion and commitment to their Creator and to Christ. And so God's grace is always teaching us to give up on apathy, to give up and, and deny worldly desires. To be devoted in every way to Him. To live soberly and righteously before Him. We also see this when we're reading it, that God's grace instructs people to wait for the hope or the glorious appearing of Christ. Christ is coming back. If you're As a Christian, you believe in God, you believe in the Creator, you believe in Jesus Christ, you believe He's the Son of God, and because of all that we see that God has done, we believe that Christ rose from the dead. We know who He is. And when He says He's coming again, we believe it. That is our hope of His glorious appearing on that day of the resurrection. We also see this, and it stands out to me, is that He wants His own people. 
I mean, why did God create everything in the first place? You remember that? What does it say in Genesis 1? He created it because it was good. God is good. That's the very meaning of His name and who He is at His very core. He has created life and all things are good. And when He created man and woman, He created them and God said, this is very good. He created us in His likeness. But even in that, we remember Adam and Eve, they, they rebelled. And ever since then, God has wanted and He wants His own people. People who are holy. People who are pursuing Him. Who are doing what's best uh, according to His will and His teaching. And so, through Christ and the work of God's grace, He redeems His people from lawlessness and He wants us to be purified. He makes us pure. And when, when every believer who's repented of their sins is baptized, all of our sins are washed away. We're purified and made the people of God. We see this also here in the reading of Titus. His people are zealous for good works. And so as we examine ourselves this morning and we ask, has God's grace had an effect on me? If God's grace has an effect on me, what happens? Well, I have a zeal. I have a passion for what's right. I want to do good. I look for what's good. I'm searching for it. When I see my neighbor in need, I help them. When I see my enemy in need, I do good to them. And I love them. We think about those things. Every one of us has different gifts given to us that is abilities from God, talents. And we need to be thinking about that. By God's grace, it should be compelling us to be using them. And I hope that this morning that you take God's grace and allow it to have its full effect on you for you to say, okay, the new year is coming. What good can I do because of God's grace? What greater works can I do? How can I stay committed and zealous for God's good works? And for me, it, it takes a devotion that's committed to God's Word and in prayer. I want to know who my Creator is. I want to continue to listen to the teachings of Christ. I want to make sure that I'm constantly reading through the New Testament. Those things are always encouraging and a part of our devotion and makes a people zealous for good works. Another thing I see here is Paul says to Titus, he says, don't be spineless about it either. He says, you encourage and you rebuke. You exhort. You declare this. You declare the testimony that is the Gospel of Christ. And don't hold it back. Don't hold back in these teachings. Don't hold back in, in, in teaching on the grace of Christ. You know, you hear some people today have some weird ideas about God's grace. They'll say, well, God's grace will cover it. And then they'll continue to live in a wicked way or in an evil way or in some selfish way. And God's grace is not meant intended that way. In fact, we'll look at another passage about that in a moment. God's grace is meant to change us. So if you're justifying a life that has no zeal for good works, and some people do, then you don't know God's grace. And if you want to be the person who's doing good, who's influencing and making a great impact on the world, it starts with doing good for your neighbor. For the person that's right next to you. That's what neighbor means, is the nearest person to you. You know, a lot of people have these grandiose ideas. I'm going to start a, you know, a social media channel and I'm going to put out these statements and things like this and have an influence on the world. And Maybe you might. The best way I think that you can make an impact in what we see in the Bible is what the Scriptures tell us. Is that as you live as a Christian and you live by love for others, and your love for God and love for others, you live in that way and you'll have the greatest impact. You'll allow Christ to have that impact. There's no one that's had a greater influence upon the world than Jesus Christ. In every area, in every area, academically, to the existence of universities and hospitals, to the, to the 
the foundation of the arts and the basis of the sciences. It's been Christ. It's been God. It's been the Christian faith throughout it all. And we can see that we can find and see God's grace at work. And we can see the influence of His love and His favor uh, through this. It has changed history. You want, you want the influence. You want God's influence. You want to give glory to Jesus and His teaching. What effect has God's grace had upon the way that you have lived? Look at yourself. Examine yourself. And Paul says that in 2 Timothy 3, I'm sorry, chapter 13, verse 1. He says, examine yourselves and make sure that you pass the test. That you're, you're living by the grace of God. That you're doing good. That you're giving glory to Him. Now, I want to build on, on this. We just got a quick exposition from uh, Titus 2, 1 through, uh, verses 11 through 15. But we'll look at the verses right after that. You know what he says here? He says to Christians, because of this, because of this teaching, how do you use it? How do you apply God's grace? How does it have an effect on you? Well, it means that you submit to authorities. I know a lot of people don't want to do that right now. That you show courtesy to all people. And then Paul goes on here and he encourages compassion. Compassion for those. He said, for, for those who have been trapped in sin. He said, you were once like that. Don't go around with a, your nose in the air and thinking you're greater than others as though you've, you're self-righteous. You've been saved by grace too. You want to take that grace with you. You want it to have that effect and the effect upon others. As Paul says in Titus 3 and verse 3, for we ourselves were once foolish and disobedient and led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. So that's the way we used to be, and that's the state of which we see the world at now. What's going to have an effect on it? What's going to make any kind of change in this world? It's going to be the grace of God living through me. It's going to be my example, each one of us, as we are following after Christ. Paul says in Romans 3 and verse 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know that passage. There's nobody who can say they're not saved by God's grace. If you're saved, it is that way. It is through Christ and only by Him. It is the gift of God that has been given to you. It is a gift. Think about this further. If you think the Christian faith is a mere list of restrictive rules, then you don't know God's grace. It's not just a list of rules. When you open your Bible, you don't, you don't get that, do you? You have a few places where you have a list of rules or examples saying these are wicked things. But for the most part, it's teaching you who God is and who Christ is. How to live a holy life. And when we know God's grace, we see its effect upon us. We see His great gift. You think about those gifts that you've received. And the right response to a gift is thanksgiving. And to some greater gifts, it changes everything about who you are in your life. You want to make a difference. You want to have an influence. Give those gifts. Give the gifts that come from God. Let's go on and read a bit further here. Titus chapter 3. We're still continuing from that same passage right into the next chapter. Paul says to Titus, And when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. God our Savior saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. And when did He do it? It says here, by the washing of regeneration. You know what the washing of regeneration is? When are you born of the water and the Spirit? John 3 and verse 5. 
I think the Scriptures are very clear that this is the point at baptism, which Colossians 2 and verse 13 says that's when all your sins are washed away by the washing and regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. As Acts 2.38 says that when you're baptized, you have the forgiveness of sins and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is at that point that God does the work and you haven't done it. He's done it. You can't say He owed it to you. He did it because He favors those who believe in Him and trust Him. And He saves us in that way. And it's an amazing thing. Just to think about God's wisdom in that. I'm going to save my people by grace. I'm going to give it to them as a free gift. All they need to do is to receive it, to accept it, and allow it and obey it that is in the Gospel. And then I'm going to save them. And then in that salvation of grace, it is an amazing thing, that gift from God, because it compels us and changes our life so that we don't want to live in sin anymore. We don't want to live in that worldliness. We want to live a different life. We've been changed by that grace. And so as we continue to read here, we see the effect of God's grace. We see the regeneration, the new life that's given to us when we've been washed in baptism. We see the renewal of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit giving to us. That, that word renewal there doesn't mean you're getting, receiving again, but you've received it fresh and new in the very beginning. And it says, and He, that is the Holy Spirit, that He has been poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that being justified by His grace, we've been made right before God by grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. There's that hope again of eternal life. So as we read these Scriptures, if you think that Christian faith does not include obedience to God's commands, then you also don't know God's grace. No, you're not saved by keeping a whole list of commands. You're saved by God's grace, and but when you're saved... You don't want to live any other way. You want to live by His instruction knowing that He is doing what's best for you. So as we're concluding our reading from Titus, I want you to look at this. Verses 8-11. through 11. Titus 3, 8-11. Paul says this, This saying is trustworthy and I want to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. Everything he's been writing about here in regards to God's grace is that you take God's grace, His gift, and now you de- be devoted. Be devoted to Him. Be devoted to good works. He says these things are excellent and profitable for people. And then he says this, don't get sidetracked from some of the things that go on. There's things that go on in certain churches even, and a lot of them being on a matter of things that we need to avoid. He says avoid foolish controversies. Do we need to debate every nuance and every interpretation of the book of Revelation? You know, there are some teachings that, and some things that people twist about the Bible that are very destructive. But we want to be very, very careful about how we handle those controversies. He says, avoid foolish controversies, arguments and disputes. Genealogies, he says, dissensions and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Unprofitable and worthless. He says, for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, and he is self-condemned. So Paul comes down to this point, he's saying, you see the full effect of God's grace and how it changes you. It means you're devoted, you're focused, and you're not going to be distracted by these other things that some people are being pulled away from God over. This is the truth. Those who are saved from sin are dead to sin. Paul says in Romans 6, 1-2, he says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? 
By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? See, the grace of God is intended to change us. And this morning, I hope that we will allow it to. That we will think about the great gift of God. We think about eternal life. We think about the forgiveness. We think about all things that He's given to us as great gifts as as we studied last week. And I ask you, are you a part of God's people who are zealous for good works? You can examine yourself and you can see the influence right now of God's great grace of salvation upon you and know whether you are God's people. God's grace is meant to make a people who are are desiring to do those great things. Understanding God's gift of grace, it trains us, it disciplines and instructs us, and it changes everything about us. And if you know and you think about what Christ has done upon the cross, what He's done for you, when you think about His resurrection from the dead, and it convicts you, and you look back on your life and say that was the greatest gift that made all the difference, then you know the grace of God. Let's stay devoted. In the new year, I encourage you, read the Scriptures, read the Bible, know the grace of God. I encourage you, if you've been baptized into Christ, continue to walk in the light. I have a passage of Scripture right here. 1 Peter 1, verses 6-10. through 10. Sorry, 1 John 1, 6-10. through 10, Where the Apostle John is teaching, and he tells us about the extent of God's grace. And this is the extent of God's grace. He says, if we have, say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. See, what we see here is if I walk in the light, that constant cleansing of God's grace is there. That I have confidence. Yes, I might stumble. I might say the wrong thing. But I'm going to stay committed to God, living by what He has given to me, and knowing that He washes away my sins. That's how we live by God's grace. God's grace is not a license to live in wickedness and sin. God's grace is meant to keep you right where you need to be, focused on Him, walking in the light. I'm going to read the last few verses here. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. You can't say that. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, we've got to be willing to confess our sins to the Father. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness, all unrighteousness. Not from some unrighteousness, not from some sin, but every bit of it. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. We need a Savior. And I can't help but look at this world and say, yes, we need a Savior. We need one who gives us His love and His grace every day. I hope that we will take the grace of God and allow it to use and use it. This morning, if you haven't received the grace, the gift of God of salvation of eternal life, you can do that. You can confess your faith that Christ rose from the dead, that He is Lord. And having confessed your faith, you can repent of your sins, be baptized, and wash away all your sins. It's the Lord that washes away all your sins, and you'll be raised into the newness of life. Or as Romans 5.8 tells us about God's love. For, he lo- he sh- for God shows His love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You need to obey the Gospel this morning. You need prayers and encouragement. We encourage you to come right now. Let's sing together.